right, everyone. Hey, welcome to the Man Up Already podcast. And as always, super excited to have you here. Boy, I, I, I you know, I say it every every week, and every week I'm just blown away by the guests that we're going to have. So if you've been enjoying the podcast up to this point, I'm so glad. Uh, I feel like we've just raised our level, and I think that there's this excitement brewing because we have the Man Up Already Growth Conference um, in the works and coming this June. Uh, so before we dive into that a little bit, make sure that you check out manupalready.com. That is now the hub for all things um, with the podcast, with the book, with the growth conference, anything Man Up Already related. It is at manupalready.com. There you can get links to our social media. You can get links to um, our guests. All kinds of things are happening on that website. So I would highly encourage you um, to go there. You can listen to the podcast there. You can order the book there, and uh, you certainly can find out all the information that you need for the Man Up Already Growth Conference. So this past week, uh, we went down to the venue, which was super exciting to just see it, visualize what's going to happen there. The you know the sponsors, the vendors, it's it's going to be absolutely awesome. Such an incredible location in Port St. Lucie, Florida. So the Man Up Already Growth Conference is for men ages 14 and up. Um, in on June uh, June tenth, sorry, twenty twenty three, from nine a.m. to two p.m. in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Tickets are twenty five dollars. Um, so we're you know we're not we're not doing this to uh, to break the bank here. We're right. It's twenty five bucks for a five hour event. That's going to be no holds barred, in your face. Um, just calling out men, right? Equipping them, empowering them. We want you. Um, or any man there to just walk out of there going, man, I, I, I was made for better. I can be better. I'm going to do incredible things. And that's the goal of the Man Up Already com uh, Growth Conference. And I can tell you that there is no other event like this one in the area here in Florida uh, this year. Not like this one. It's going to be freaking awesome. And with that, right, I like to bring in incredible guests incredible men. Uh, yes, we do have women guests, obviously, right? The last episode we had Sheila, she was awesome. Um, but this guy, I, I, this guy came into um, my radar in my space uh, through the Band of Brothers organization, which is a men's uh, event that I go to every year up in Colorado. I had met Jeremy through a mutual friend. And um you know, there's a there's an episode here on the podcast called Removing the Scourge Among Us that dealt with human trafficking. And it was because of me diving into that world that I was able to meet Jeremy. And um, he, he I mean, this guy is is the real deal. Right. When I when I think of heroes out there doing it, this is a guy um, that I think of. I, I just think the world of him. I think he's an incredible dude. Um so just a little bit of his story. Jeremy is the president uh, and of Global Partnerships for Kime Technology, um, and, and they are dedicated to um, stopping and preventing human exploitation, which obviously goes um, you know, into the exploitation of women, of, of you know, stopping. I'm going to let him really talk about what he's up to, but he has been an advocate and, and with boots on the ground on stopping human trafficking, exploitation, things that happen in the online space. This is the guy um, that gets after it big time. And um, back in his, in his story, which again, I'll let him share, he was a 10-year 
uh, Navy SEAL. And, you know, for me, you, you know, the SEALs are, are, are something that are an organization that I admire. I, I mean, I have read so many books on, uh, on that organization and specifically, like, what does it take to, to navigate that experience? What does it take to get through BUDS? What does it take to get through Hell Week? What does it take? I mean, a 10-year career in the SEALs, like, there's a mindset there that has everything to do with what we talk on this about on this podcast. And I'm super excited um, to have Jeremy on here um, to have him share his story and what he's up to and um, how it relates to all things on what we're after, which is just being better. And, and, and men are needed now more than ever. And, and before I bring him up, I, I just saw this today that this week was International Women's Day and our government, uh, our first lady, um, awarded or or a the person who won these awards was a transgender man. Um, so on International Women's Day, we highlighted a man. That is um, an interesting uh, take on the world today. So uh, I think what we're doing here is incredibly important and um, something that we need to pay incredible attention to. So with that, let's bring out a guy who is absolutely uh, crushing it and making a difference, uh, being all things man up already. Super excited to have my friend Jeremy Mayhew here on the podcast. Jeremy, man, welcome to the Man Up Already podcast. I personally am super excited to uh to have this conversation with you well i'm uh, excited to be on and appreciate the opportunity yeah you know i i just shared with you that you know from the day we met um i have been looking forward to doing this episode and having this conversation um for for over a year so it really is an honor um there's so much that i think you can then you can offer in your story and what you're up to and um, I said in the intro, you know, you're, you are, um, a, a real, you're a real American hero. Like, you know, I keep hearing that Budweiser commercial in my head, <laughs> but you are man. Like it, it's, it, it is, I'm not going to, you know, uh, hype you up too much, but, uh, I really do. Uh, I'm excited to have you. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I, I appreciate that very much. And, um, you know, clearly I think, I look at, uh, you know, we always look at those who have done far more than we have. And um, so, you know, I certainly don't consider myself, you know, in that in that hero category at all. But I'm I appreciate the compliment. And obviously, you know, we can always point to those who have done more. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive in. You know, it's 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 right behind you is um, your your company and and really what you're after today. So our those are that are listening and not seeing um, your your Kaim technology. I pronounced that right. Correct. Um, so let's talk about that first. We'll start there and then we'll kind of you know weave your story in in and out of it. But I think. You have, since I've known you, I've watched you on this journey and you're at this point in time taking on this endeavor. Um, so so let's let's kind of go in to what that is. Okay, well, recently in the last uh, three, four months, myself and some partners set up a company. It's, uh, it's called Kaim Technology. And so C-A-I-M Technology. And Kaim is a Gaelic word for protection 
or sanctuary. And so um, if you're watching, you can see our logo has a bunch of hearts that are like wove together and like a Gaelic knot. <laughs> but it's uh, it's essentially, we stood this up as an anti-fraud company and um, our flagship product really comes from my background over the last eight years in the fight against human trafficking and understanding how important data is in that fight. And so if we can take data specifically human trafficking and make it available to um, all different levels of, you know, really governments, um, enterprises, uh, small businesses, and then all the way down to what I'm kind of most excited about really is putting that, that data uh, in the hands of an individual user. So we have an app, like a mobile app on your phone, and you can choose what you want it to monitor um, of other apps you're already using. So for example, you know, if you <clears throat> have a daughter who's in college and you kind of fear for um, who she's talking to, um, it gives her that safety and transparency in that digital world to know if somebody's a nefarious character. Okay, so I mean, we really are diving in, and and I, I'm going to just talk about kind of what's happening in in my world personally because you're 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 hitting on things that are really really relevant right now, which is obviously why you guys do what you do, right? But um, I have just turned over all of my social media um, to to a, a manager, right? Like I don't want to be on it. Um, I, I'm going to manage certain things, but. Uh, because the the I find the online world to be so duplicitous, like you you today and and I, and I know you would agree with this. You don't know who you're talking to, correct? Right. So and uh, and so talk about that. Let let's let's start there because you know I Jeremy I remember, gosh, it's got to be ten years ago now. Uh, a believer friend of mine, she had said to me, she goes, "Look, the attack of the enemies is going to happen." in ones and zeros. The <laughs> spiritual battle is going to be fought in digital code. And I and at that time I was like, gosh, that's really profound, but you look at it 10 years later and it is absolutely true on how much um I I could use all kinds of colorful words on what happens online and what happens in the digital space. So let's kind of dive in there on what you're up to and why. That's an inter interesting insight from your friend. And I was speaking to a group of people a couple of years ago talking about human trafficking. I was talking about how technology has allowed this human trafficking business to scale. And uh, one of the older gentlemen who was a technology guy in his his day um, basically held up his, his um, cell phone and basically just made more of a statement than a question. <laughs> and he said, uh, you're just kind of confirming what I believed for a while that this, uh, you know, this cell phone, this smartphone is really not, nothing more than a brick in the Tower of Babel. And uh, wow. I didn't really think about it like so much in the moment because I was speaking to a group of people and I was like, okay, cool. Next question, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> the more I thought about it later, um, it's so true. And technology has has really brought us to a place where we think that we don't need God. It, I mean, because we can do anything through technology, right? We can serve our own purposes. Um, we don't need a higher power. And it it's also brought us to a point where 
we become so into ourselves um, to include, um, you know, we've talked about this before. Some of the things I've spoke at, you heard even in the, the world of pornography, right? And the world of pornography correlates very closely with the world of human trafficking. Um, but we live in this hyper-sexualized world and it's all being driven through technology, right? It's all being driven through, like you said, I mean, really the ones and zeros. And so, you know, there's a fight, there's a battle going on um, for our soul and for our minds. And a lot of it is just all through this, you know, this smartphone that we become so attached to. And we can use it for good and we can use it for bad, you know, and and so we, we see that happening on both sides. And so it's pretty important that we um, find ways to protect ourselves as much as possible, especially from the, the bad ways that it can be used, which kind of relates back to why we started this company. So we could act on the prevention side and, and monitor things to protect people from um, some of the potential bad things out there. And you're, you're saying that you guys have the technology that um, with an app, you can you can identify or just well identify whether or not you're speaking to someone who's a fake profile or like how does that work so the like the beginning of what we're doing with the company is focusing on like one data set specifically that's around human trafficking so we're collecting on essentially commercial sex advertising worldwide and so um when i was at my former nonprofit um, you know, I talked a lot about this website called backpage.com backpage was the, uh, the block store, if you will, for escort ads and of those escort ads, um, the majority of that was one of two things, either prostitution or, uh, human trafficking. And when I talk about human trafficking, I'm speaking specifically about, you know, the legal definition includes force, fraud, or coercion. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> that big website um was had advertising advertisements all around the world and it was the big block store for sex advertising and they were taken down in 2018 and um, the long and short of that story is like all of that advertising has gone to a bunch of other smaller websites um, around the world and so we collect on all of those different websites, all of the data, all the information that's on those websites. And uh, I mean, I would say with the caveat, because of data privacy laws, there are certain countries that we can't, uh, we can't necessarily do that with. But in general, we're collecting globally and internationally, we're taking all those advertisements of sex. And then what we do is we bring in the known indicators of human trafficking for those different regions or areas or countries. And we um, do the machine learning and the AI behind that to really bring um, that commercial sex advertisement um, closer to attribution of actual human trafficking. And we may not say this is 100% a human trafficker, um, even though we might even know that, but we can say this person popped positive in our database, specifically around commercial sex advertising and with these um, attributions or these indicators of human trafficking. And so you now have the opportunity, the choice, whether you want to deal with that person or not, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're yeah. a corporation, you have some liability around that. If you're a bank, clearly, you know, you have a mandate, you have a, a legal obligation that you cannot have illicit funds. And this is an illicit um, market, right? So you can't have illicit funds in your bank. 
we're getting very close as society moves faster and faster and pushes towards um, more awareness and more um, political pressure. Um, even the politicians are looking at that buzzword of human trafficking and saying, what can I put forth legislatively to stand on this, that I did something around human trafficking. And so we're moving forward in a space where they're going to put more and more pressure on corporations to really know your customer and, you know, in the, in the KYC world, right? And so know your customer. And if they have any associations with this kind of illicit activity, you know, you can't do business with them, which is really a win for the fight against human trafficking because it forces those who are involved to pick a different line of business. Um, and, and it also identifies where it's happening and it can be reported from there to, you know, law enforcement as well. But ultimately, like I said, I'm kind of most excited about getting that data um, down to the individual user, because as much as corporations should be doing the right thing, um, we don't, I mean, me personally, I'm not always going to put my trust in the corporation that they are doing the right thing on my behalf. And so if I can have the power, um, be empowered to to navigate that on my own with with the right tools and the right data, you know, that's, and, and for a couple bucks a month, you know, that's a real solution. Yeah, I think it's invaluable. I really do. You know, in, in a world that is going more and more online, I mean, now, you know, I remember Man, I think it was 2018 when I had met someone who was in advertising and um, she was moving her entire practice. I'll never forget this too. She was like, you need to check out Oculus, right? That was like when it, when Oculus first came out, it might have even been before 2018. And she was like, the world's going to go to this. And now last night, my wife and I are sitting there watching TV and there's a meta commercial, you know, where they're wearing the goggles. And like, you, yeah. so you, you think about everything going online the way it is and how important it is to know your customer or know the person that you're talking to and putting it that in the hands of the average person. Um, I just think it's invaluable on protecting our children, um, raising young adults. I mean, it's uh, our daughter lives on TikTok. I mean, lives, and she's right. that generation, right? She lives on TikTok. Um, and there was an article, I don't know if you saw this, there was an article in the New York post on, on, um, one of the writers created a profile, a fake profile on TikTok of a 14 year old boy. Right. And then did, did you see that article at all? I didn't see it. No. Yeah. I'll send it to you. It's, it's incredibly powerful on what was programmed into like, this is what we're going to show this 14 year old boy super sexualized, aggressive. I mean, it's just, um, it's nuts. And I think what you guys are doing and what you stood for for so long on empowering people and stopping a lot of the evil that is that is happening out there, um, I, I think it's incredible. So I think it's a good a good moment to kind of go back. I, I spoke on the, on the beginning that you started out as, a, you were a SEAL for 10 years. Many long years ago, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, tell that story. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time there, but there, there, there's two things. Number one, what, what was that for you that made you that you took that on? Um, this was you, I, th I saw in your bio, 1996. So, how old were you when when you were in the 18, 19? Well, or I came in the Navy when I was uh, 19. So when I was in high school, I was looking at going to college. I was taking all of my, you know. Uh, pre-college type classes and 
and uh, all these honors classes. And this was the path I was going. But then as I was looking at college, I had two older siblings who were already going to college debt. And I thought, you know, I need a scholarship of some kind, but really my, I probably wasn't going to get an academic scholarship. <laughs> and uh, soccer was my main sport that I played. And I actually lettered uh, four years in high school playing soccer. And so even my junior and senior year, I was the captain of the soccer team uh, both those years. And I just really had this like team um, mindset. And I knew that like what I wanted to do post high school, I wanted to be part of a team and I wanted to be part of an elite team, you know, and something that I knew that would push me harder than me pushing myself. Um, you know, I, I played other sports too. baseball temporarily. I was not that great at it. So I, I moved on quickly, but uh, basketball, you know, I played up through my, um, the end of my sophomore year and, and you know, like really good uh, team sports where I just really loved being part of that team. And it, it did drive me to push myself so much harder because in some ways you're, you're accountable to others. Right. Um, and you're accountable to, to doing your best um, for the rest of the team. And so with that kind of background and mindset, I was, uh, I guess, probably between my junior and senior year in high school, um, you know, the Air Force reached out, the Army reached out, and the Marines reached out. And ironically, the Navy was the only one that, that didn't reach out and trying to recruit me. And uh, <clears throat> the Army tried to uh, schmooze me with the hey, we'll send you to Hawaii, a place like Hawaii for two. And you only have to sign up for like two years and we're going to send you to the beaches in Hawaii. And I was like, that sounds amazing, um, which I'm, I know now that was a total lie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, like maybe half a percent of people that come and get that in the army. I, I just, but anyways, I go into my senior year and I'm still kind of looking at college. I'm thinking that's the path I'm, I'm going. I tried out for a couple of different soccer teams and they all said, uh, we'll take you on the team, um, but there's no scholarship money until maybe when you're junior or senior. That's just how, mm -hmm. that's what we have. So it was really in those mid-90s, soccer wasn't really a big deal. And and that was kind of my sport. So I wasn't looking at like, oh, great, this is going to be the scholarship path. And so I was going to lunch, you know, mid-senior year, early senior year. And uh, there, I picked up like a, a pamphlet. The Navy recruiter was sitting there with his table out. I picked up this pamphlet, just happened to be this black and white, you know, no color, 10 page printed out, mostly just text with a few horribly printed out pictures of guys on an O course or swimming or something. And I was like, buds, you know, basic underwater demolition seals training. I was like, all right, that sounds cool. Picked it up, took it home, read it. And I thought, this is pretty cool. Didn't know anything about it. Never seen the movie with Charlie Sheen or anything yet. Navy SEALs. I had no, I didn't never even heard the term Navy SEALs yet. Here I am like, you know, midway through my senior year, I guess. And, and, uh, I just thought that was really cool. So what I ended up doing, I went to, uh, talk to the recruiter and I said, Hey, I'm interested in this, uh, SEAL program. And he more or less like laughed at me and he's like, Oh, that's great. Um, you know, I, I've worked, you know, everybody says, I've worked with the SEALs before, you know, um, but here's the deal, like nobody makes it in. <laughs> so like you have to pick another job in the Navy. And I was like, did you just tell me I can't do this? Right. Uh, you just basically told me I can't do something. And it's like the immediate, like, oh, now I got to do it. That's right. <laughs> yep. like, maybe it was a psychological trick that he played on me and I didn't even know it back then, you know, and it seems like there's a lot of other guys kind of had a similar experience. Um, 
but I, I had to go to what they call MEPS, uh, which is basically where you go to do your um, physical assessment and make sure that you're, you know, good, good to go to go in the military. So I go from Kalispell, Montana to Butte, Montana uh, with one of the recruiters and they buy me a steak dinner. They send me through the, you know, deal. And at the very end of the chain of everything they send you through, they make you raise your right hand and stand up. And I was like, I didn't say, I didn't say I was going to do this. I just wanted to like inquire more about it. And they said, we well, got to go do the medical screen first. And at the end of that, I was like, here, I'm with my hand up making an oath. So I get in the car on the way back and I tell the guy, I said, so, you know, like you guys kind of ran me through this. And I really feel it was like, you justly told me exactly that I was signing up for the Navy. It was kind of like, this was just to see if you were qualified. And uh, I guess, so like, what is the, what is the, you know, what if I decide I don't want to do this? And he was like, what? We just, we just bought you a steak dinner and we took you down here. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, settle down, settle down. I, I'm going to do it. I hadn't talked to my parents about this or anything. Wow. Like, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to go in anyways. And so I did. And it, it, I had to wait until really about six months after I graduated, just because that's when they slotted me for my boot camp. And uh, there was no guarantees. So I came in and I had to go through boot camp and about halfway through boot camp, they had a, a, a screening test to see if you could actually pass that test, which was um, mostly at that point, it was just the physical test and, you know, run, swim, push-ups, pull-ups, chin-ups, all, all those things. And so, you know, I passed that and then they did give me orders to go to SEAL training. So, you know, I, I came in and did that and I was, I was in for 10 years and, you know, lots of, lots of stories in between. Um, so that's kind of the the path of how I started getting there just because I, I wanted to be part of a team. So yeah. Bad. What I'm fascinated by when I, and, and I inhale seal material. Um, I, I love it because, and I'm a big Goggins fan as well. You know, I love the mental side of things probably because I don't know, I had a survival mechanism inside of me but I don't, I often wonder if I would have, um, how I would have handled that situation at, at that age. Sure. Right. And, and, and I think a lot of people do, and, you know, you and I have, we've been to band of brothers and wild at heart and, and, you know, every man is wired with that question. Do I have what it takes? And I think one of the ultimate tests of that, um, physically and mentally is, is buds. So, and, and the listener, you know, our listeners can go, there's plenty of stuff on what happens in buds, but can you just talk briefly on how did you mentally navigate that experience? Because so many people <laughs> ring the bell and quit, yet you didn't, right? So, and I don't get the opportunity to talk to somebody often who who, who went through that experience and came out on the other side. I believe the attrition rate when I went through was like 85, 85%. So in other words, like only 15 out of 100 guys right. actually made it, right? And so- um, there's a couple different factors I always mention in here. I, I think that it's, you know, if I'm telling a, a young guy who's going to go in, um, to just take one day at a time, you know, first of all, don't overthink it. Don't, don't be thinking about what's going to happen next week or the week after, or, you know, two months from now in the third phase, just think about like what the mission is and the task that you have to perform in that moment that day. And just focus on doing that and doing it well, and then you'll get to the next one. Um, for me, I went through, uh, like I said, I went to boot camp, and 
it's kind of a, just a, such a new experience for me coming from a high school kid in Montana, you know, no idea really about the military. Um, here I go into the Navy. I go in in November in the great, you know, in boot, Navy boot camps in Great Lakes, Michigan. And so it's like, I'm on, you know, a, it's freezing cold. Like the wind coming off the lake is just like so cold. They make everybody wrap up in these wool coats and like march. You look like a bunch of Ewoks, you know, from Star Wars, like marching to chow. And it was so cold. They weren't even really letting us do, you know, a lot of activities outside. Um, so that's kind of like what was happening when I went and I got, I, like I said, I went like, I think five weeks into four or five weeks into boot camp. I went and took that test and because I passed it. They actually let me go. And there was five or six other guys that took that test also. And I was the only one that passed it out of my whole division of 80 guys. You know, there was, like I said, wow. there was only like five or six of those guys that actually went and took the test um, from that division, but I was the only one that passed it. So I would get up earlier than everybody else. So like they were getting up at 5 a.m. I was getting up at like 3.30, 4 a.m. by myself to go off to march down by myself um, to basically this early, early morning PT session, you know, above and beyond everything that the everybody else was doing. And I would, and I did that for the second half of boot camp. Um, and so I would like, I think I can't remember if it was once or twice a week. And uh, I felt pretty empowered because I was like, <clears throat> I get to separate from my, my guys and I'm marching down, you know, in the winter time. And I, I, I don't even know everybody's ranks at this time. I just know this guy's an officer. So I'm walking by and I'm like saluting people and, you know, on my way to work out and then come back after that. But like those workouts were the first real, I mean, I'd done like, again, playing basketball, running lines, playing soccer. I mean, I had done like all the sprints, all the different, you know, buddy carries, all these kinds of different things. And I thought, I thought I'd been pushed hard. I thought <laughs> that I was in good shape. And what I found out, not even getting to buds yet, just going through those like seal, um, I was like seal diver motivator class. So I forget exactly what they called it, but there was a couple, like three or four seals that ran it and they were just there to kick your butt. And what I realized um, very quickly is that I hit my limit, you know, in that moment. And like, I got to the point where I'm, I, I can't do anymore. And then they're like, well, you know, you better do more or you're out of here kind of deal. And uh, whether it's just like pushups, whether, whatever it is, but this, this thing started to shift for me mentally in that moment. I remember exactly <laughs> in that one moment where one of those instructors was threatening to like kick the guy in front of me in the ribs if he didn't like um, perform. Not that it was like he was necessarily going to do that. It wasn't hazing or abuse or anything like that. It was just like he was just making a like, like you you got to do this or you're out of here kind of deal. And I just remember like doing some of those things and going, I can't go any further, but I have to. And I just started to make the mental switch of like realizing that I could go so much further in my mind um, than I thought I could, you know, physically. And once that started to pair up, um, I did, I went so much further physically because of where my mind, um, just like, I mean, David Goggins does a really good job of like, uh, articulating that was just like, you just don't quit, you know, and you just, it's all these, all these things are in your mind telling, you no, and you just push that out and you just go, there is no quitting. Like this is, I go until, somebody until something breaks on my body or um somebody you know forces me out but right. i'm not gonna 
quit on my own. And having that mindset is what get, gets guys through. I saw guys come through with like, I mean, in the very beginning of SEAL training, you've got all these guys who are like some of these guys, college athletes. I mean, one guy was like, I think he, his parents owned a GNC store. I mean, he's just like, you know, jacked guy and, you know, all these like just total studs, total athletes, you know, collegiate athletes, runners, football guys, you know, a lot of those guys, um, they didn't make it they, like just, they decided it was, it was not for them for whatever reason, but it was mostly all something in their head. I think. Right. Well, I mean, it's why it's why the man up already mindset movement, whatever. It's why I wrote the book. It's that, that, that mindset of, you know, there's got to be something inside of you that says, get your ass up. Like you, 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 you may be down. Right. But there's another, yeah. there's another level there's, and, and I have often said, you will never know all that you can be until you get to the point of all you, that you are, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that when you get to the end of who you are, what's on the other side of that is everything that you can be. But mm -hmm. most people won't put themselves in situations that test that, right. Because of fear, right. because of comfort, you know, and, and going all the way back to where we started, the challenge is, is that these digital bricks, as you said, right, they, they, um, they make things very easy and they make yes. them very comfortable there. It's a lie that we know, right? Because we just don't achieve um, or we get checked out or taken out because we're just not putting ourselves in those situations that allow us to find out what we're really made of or what more life can be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk about like the metaverse, you know, living in this digital world, living in this, like, you know, I've got goggles on and, and everything is playing out in, in my goggles. Like it's not real life, you know? Right. And, and, and um, until you can like put all that down, which I think is the most difficult thing for, especially this, you know, these new generations coming up because they've grown up with such a direct tie to that technology. Uh, but until you can like, say I can put that down for a week and go out in the woods and do something, you know, your, your mind transitions to a, to a totally different place. And um, you've got to be able to wait. You've got, I think you've got to be able to break free from that um, from time to time, just kind of hit a, a hard reset. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I it's funny too, because um Gosh, I don't know how many years it was, but it took it took COVID for me to like I would go to to the Band of Brothers and and go up in Colorado, but you know, camping or being outdoors was something other people did. It was always in that one day kind of thing, you know what I mean? But today I got to build my business or I got to work or I got family stuff and when COVID hit the pause button and we started paddleboarding and we started camping like now um, yeah. I, I, there's a, there's literally dude, 45 minutes from my house, um, is a state park. Um, you can rent a campsite for 25 bucks. And when I'm like, I gotta get out of here now, mm -hmm. like now I, I, I just, it's all in my garage. I grab whatever I need and I go check out for a day or two days of just like, everything's off. I'm, I'm, you know, in the Florida woods on the water. And I need that mental, I just need that time. Sometimes it's just sitting there in, in the quiet, in nature, checked out because um, the real, the reality or the digital, you know, space and all that, just, you got to turn it off. You got to turn it off. And I think I heard you speak 
I think to another gentleman who's like a life coach, maybe it was a British guy that was on with you, you know, episodes back. And I just remember you guys having a conversation about, um, you know, you got to set your boundaries also. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's okay for you to say, I'm not taking phone calls, you know, during these hours of my day. And, um, you know, I had to do that in, in my own life a few years back and just say, you know, I'm not dealing with anything that's work-related beyond a certain time in my day. You know, if I come home, especially now that I have kids and a wife coming home, it's like, you know, like that's their time, not, um, you know, time for everybody else to be pinging on me. And then I'm not answering the the phone call in the middle of the night either. I mean, my phone goes off, right? And there's a, just a period of time where you kind of have to set that aside and then, you know, you can have your blocks of time to re-engage in it. But um you can be more successful than you think by doing that, right? Well, the the it's funny that you say that because having now, right? So I'm two days, two days from removing all social media apps, um, save one, which is LinkedIn, um, off my phone, out of my control. And the first day, my spirit was literally like I said to my wife, there is a there is a lightness in my spirit. Right of a weight lifted off of me because for me, um, and maybe this will help some people because I got to believe some people can, can understand this with a phone call or with an email. I, I, for some reason I can look at those and go, okay, you can leave a message or I'll pick that up when I, when I need to, but a message in any form as is, is as if you are standing right next to me saying it to me. And Mm -hmm. so the compulsion is to answer it immediately. (laughs) <laughs> right. I don't know why it is with messaging, but uh, having all of crap, right? and even if my, my wife gets like a phone call. She doesn't even know who it is. And she's like, I got to answer. I'm like, no, you don't. Why would you have to answer? That? You know, speaking of which, I get a phone call right when I said that. Right. My business but yeah, I think, uh, you know, like that's a big deal for people to understand is like, um, you gotta, you gotta set this, all this technology aside and, the more, you know, I think we've talked about this too, but the more you get into all those different apps and all these different things, you know, that you're trying to put content out there. It's like, for what, you know, like, um, what's your, what's your purpose? And then like the next level of that is like, are you doing it for you? Like, are you doing it to get more likes? Are you doing it to like, um, and I see a lot of people fall into this and actually it's, it was a real problem that I had at my former, you know, space, you know, in the nonprofit world, you know, you have a lot of people that they think that the way that they get further is by having this like social media presence, you know, and well, that's drilled that, into our, that is drilled into our heads that that's how you do, right? That's, that's, that's the message people market with you too. And so like, they're like, well, you have to be out there. You have to be putting out content. You have to be doing this. And so like, they don't even necessarily have good content, but they're just feeling that they're forced and then they become a slave to the wheel. And then, then they're, they get a few likes and they're seeing how many likes they got. And then, then it, then it starts to like wrap up their ego in it. And then it's like, I mean, not to hit on pastors, but I think pastors are like a, a slave to that too, where they, you know, they, they become like, instead of it being about the church, it becomes about that pastor and everything is like that whole church is, 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 um, the same as that pastor, you know, it's like they're, you can't separate them. So if that pastor has an issue or goes away, the church dies because, you know, they, they were so wrapped up in, and it, it kind of starts with like that, that ego and that like narcissism. Um, but it's like, 
I have to be on social media. I have to, I have to have people looking at me and that's how I'm going to make my business successful. I just think it's a bunch of BS, you know, um, you got to put out some good content, but I love what you're doing where you're like, you turn that over to somebody who's like good at that. They can take tidbits from you, but like you gotta have something more of value than just you as a person. Um, because if, I mean, I, you see it across all these nonprofits, like I said, like um, churches, you have one person that ends up being the um, focal you point. Know, they're, they're the focal point. So as soon as something happens to that person, that whole nonprofit will just go away or fail. That whole that whole uh, mission, that whole church, that whole um, you know whatever it is that they're doing, it just goes away because they built it on they built it on themselves and and ego drove that. So, anyways, that's my. No, I, I, it's funny. I'm just listening to you and, you know, it's the absurdity of, so, so just to, to get really personal, because this is a new, this literally is happening in my life um, right now. And I'll share this, that social media was really, you, you want to talk about the spiritual battle. Um, yeah. Social media is the thing that would erode my marriage. Huh, right? sure. And how and how many marriages out there is that happening to because we're just checked out or we're engaged in things that if they were in your space physically, that might not be going on. Right. But so there's mm -hmm. there's just all these different elements of it until my wife finally was like, look, it doesn't work in the context of who we are and how we operate. And I was like, you're right. So. Right. And that's when I turned it over. But it's funny because uh, yesterday I had put so now through and, and this is where technology can be really great. I found the app Trello so I can put up and schedule right posts so I can create right. Put it up. And, and my daughter, who's the assistant, uh, she grabs the file and she handles right. Here's where, you know, post this, yep. you know, here at this time kind of thing. Right. And then I'm released. I get to create get rid of it. She's not attached to what I create. So she doesn't care who likes it, doesn't like it, whatever. Right. But I have no access now to who does. So yeah, the funny thing is, is yesterday, perfect. right. I'm sitting there going, I wonder how that's doing. Right. And I'm thinking <laughs> about that. And, and really it's an absurd conversation because if you look at social media marketing, here's really what we're saying is you need, what are the, I, I, Gary Vaynerchuk one time spoke about how much content you had to put out every single oh, day. Yeah. Right. And Grant yeah, Cardone does it as well. And yet the messaging is you don't know how it's going to do. You don't know how it's going to do what somebody's going to like. Yet, like you talked about, be a slave to the wheel on this every single day with no idea how the return is going to come back. That is an absurd proposition on time. And just because you get a hundred thousand followers, like for what, you know, and like, for what purpose, just to feed your own ego? Or like, what is it all? Like, what's the real purpose that you're driving? So <clears throat> you, it just made me laugh. Cause as you were saying, what you were saying a second ago, I was thinking about a friend of mine who part-time up here in Montana on the lake where I live and uh, Jack Hanna. And so a lot of people remember Jack Hanna cause he has the the TV show with his do, you know, yeah, Ohio, right? sure. I knew and, I knew that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right. Kind of, kind of has like the crocodile. Yep. Dundee yep. He, he was before crocodile Dundee. So or before, not crocodile. Like, he was before the, the, the Steve, whatever Jack Hanna right, was right, like right. when I was a kid. Right, got it. That, right. So, so Jack was, uh, I, it's funny. Cause before I knew him, I went to a, a fundraiser it was for the, 
grizzly bears and stuff. And he was like the main guy, you know, because they had him up there to speak and everything. And, and I was like, man, what a cool guy. I'd really love to meet him. And, uh, but I didn't want to be like that guy to go up and be like, Hey, I'm Jeremy Mayhew. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's always this, I, I hate doing that. Right. So I just, I didn't do it. And literally like the next day I was flying somewhere and I, my flight was probably going through Denver or something like that. And so I'm sitting in the airport and here comes Jack Hanna and he's wearing the same thing he wears every day, right. With his leather hat. And like, I mean, it looks like crocodile Dundee, right. Like basically. And so like, um, I'm sitting there going, Oh my goodness. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if, um, he was on my same flight. Right. And, uh, I, I didn't really think too much about it until we started loading. And, and I'm one of the first seats in the left. I go sit down and here comes Jack, you know, and he's getting a little bit older in his years. And so he's a little bit disheveled because he's putting his bag up and trying to figure out where everything goes. And, and then he literally, there's only two seats on either side. He sits down like right next to me right um <laughs> and i'm just like this is so cool like i sit <laughs> by jack Hanna, the nicest guy um but as he was kind of getting sat down this other lady's like oh my god you're jack Hanna," you know because you can't you can't mistake him and uh right kind of looks at her and she's like oh my gosh my mom watches you on you know every episode and all this stuff and he was like um really was it good and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm so good. He's like, yeah, well, that's great. I've never seen myself on TV ever. And I was like, this guy like has more content and more right. videos, everything. And he's like, I don't watch my own show ever. And I was like, what a good place to live in where you can just like produce content that's valuable for people. And you're just not caught up in yourself, mm, you know, and, yeah. and worried about what you look like or what you said or this or that and all the, all the different things or, or how many likes you got, all, all those things. You just do what you love because that's what your purpose is and you don't get caught up in all the rest of it. Gosh, that is, um, lessons that from is, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> as told by Jeremy though. So, you know, like that, that there's so much wisdom in that. Um, I mean, that's just, that's gosh, if we could all, get to that place right where we put out things because um we want to add value without worrying about how it's going to come back right, right. like that's that's an, an an amazing thing so how do I mean, you go that's where yeah. i'm trying to like guide my life because i've actually really had i've had some challenges in the last few years and and just you know i spent nearly eight years at a non-profit you know and when you're at a non-profit you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's like, there's no real future for your, you know, you or your family in a lot of ways, but you still get caught up in the hype of things just like you would like a pastor of a church, you know, and I actually went through a phase because I ended up having to be that person that was my face out there promoting that. And, and I did that and I got to the point where it was like, you know, I'm kind of like the guy, like if there's a radio interview or a TV interview or something like that, I'm the one that's trying to articulate it and out there. And I, and I'm like my level of self-importance, you know, being self-important kind of like got a little bit elevated. And I was always tried to keep it in check, but you can't help, but like kind of feeling like, you know, okay, I need all these other people to basically just hold my bags. Right. You know, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm the guy and, you know, it's just a, it's just a really, there's some other 
uh, military guys that I respect a lot. One of my work for was a guy named Ryan Zinke. And I did a lot of work with Ryan and even outside of the military. But, um, you know, he's the guy that would like get involved in the small stuff and not, not want somebody else to take care of, you know, hauling his bags or whatever it is. Right. Um, I think um, General Mattis was another one where General Mattis said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to order somebody else to do anything that I wouldn't do myself, you know? And here's a guy that would, he would go and and do things for other people on, on a level that you would never expect a general to be involved at, you know? And I just feel like that's such an important lesson too. And um, none of us are so important that we can't stay humble and, and be at that, that level where we can just always be humble and be intentional with whoever we're with. Right. And I think as men, um, that's really what Christ calls us to do also, right. Where, um, you see, I, I hate it, man. I see like people who get elevated in positions at their job or within a church structure. And, you know, the pastor is no longer willing to go and have that meeting with the guy at the hospital who's dying because he has all these other important things to do. You know, he's got to prepare his message and all these other important things. Like we just miss the, the things that matter the most, especially the things that I think, you know, Christ would have us do that are intentional. So it's the, the constant coming back to that in our mind about how we can not fall into that trap is, is kind of like front and center for me. And I, like I said, I kind of started to, see what that could be like. And I, and I realized very quickly, like, I have to, I have to kind of back away from that. And for me, I even did, I just stopped like posting on social media and, and was like, you know, I don't have to be the guy. Um, somebody else can be the guy. Uh, but anyways. No, I, I, uh, you know, we spoke earlier about, right. You'll never know who you are until you, who you can be until you come to the end of who you are. And it should not, you know, one of the pillars in my book, man up already is the four pillars. One of the pillars is humility, right? It's not about you. And it shouldn't take, um, it shouldn't take coming, you know, being all about yourself to the point where you almost lose everything to, to wake up to the fact that we don't deserve anything. You know what I mean? Like we earn we earn everything we get. I think that's something that I love about the seals is if you're going to make it through this, you're going to, you're going to freaking have to earn your way past, you know, these obstacles. And that's, that's just life. But I know, you know, I, I understand what grace is and I'm able to give grace because I have received it when I know I shouldn't have. Right. And, and I don't say that in some kind of like, you know, Canned Christian statement. Mm -hmm. um, I have been given grace when I know I did not deserve it, and right. and we shouldn't learn those lessons. Unfortunately, we do as human beings, right? Because we um, we like to touch hot stoves and hot irons before we learn. You know, something's hot. You know, like right. it, it shouldn't take getting burned to learn that lesson. But typically, as human beings, we tend to do that. Um, but those are painful lessons. You know, to to it shouldn't. You you see organizations collapse because they didn't learn that right. lesson. You know what I mean? And yeah. and the good that they could do doesn't happen because it just became about something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's kind of something that I've seen. You know, I've, I've watched different organizations do this, but I think um, um, once 
a person becomes um, symbiotic with the organization, you know, like it's, you can't separate them, then it's almost just like, <clears throat> it's almost just like a level of, of really, I think ego is always one of the biggest things that um, tears things apart, right? I mean, there's so many coaches out there that, you know, talk about ego and how to, you know, kind of keep your ego in check because ego, ego ruins like everything. And it's like the opposite of being humble, you know, and it's ego is the opposite of all the things we're, we're called to do biblically. Right. Right. Yep. And your point of like, you know, it's not about you and everything should be about others and service. I mean, if you want to live a Christian life and you want to follow Christ, you know, I mean, Christ was the ultimate servant, you know, um, we're really trying to follow that, you know, you have to like, um, get rid of the ego. You have to be super humble and serve others. And then you realize, like you said, it's not about you, you know, and you want to find where you could be most purposeful and you want to help the most people. Um, and that's, that's the places that we, you know, we should all strive for. Big time, you know, and you and I were talking before we, we, hit record on the podcast, the importance or unimportance of identity um, mm -hmm. and how we were talking about how you're not defined by what you do, right? So this is kind of leading up to, to that. Let talk, I know it's, it, it's something you're really um, passionate about that what you do career-wise or what you do in life is not who you are. So, right. Yeah. I mean, for me coming out of the military, I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> you get you get, I mean, I got like, I think Marines might take it to another level beyond the Navy SEALs, right? Because <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's even more of like a, you know, the propaganda machine of telling you that you are the machine and, um, <clears throat> and you're indestructible, but like as a Navy SEAL and a young guy who's, who's already, I don't say cocky, I say confident, but still right. Like we're very into ourselves and we're very, you know, like, we're, we're, we're trying to project the image of who we've become into being this, you know, this warrior, you know, and there's a, there's a myth and even a legend around it. And so like, you're trying to live up to that, you know, on one level. Um, and on another level, you know, it gets in your mind and it becomes like, this is who I am. Right. And so guys who spend 10 years or 20 years, when they go to leave that, and this isn't just from being a Navy SEAL. Like a lot of guys leaving the military have this very same problem with like, they've. this is what they've known and this is really what they've become. And this is what they've embraced and this is what they've wrapped their identity into. This is who I am. And then they leave that and they're very lost. And then in some ways, that's why we have such, such a high suicide rate of veterans, you know, mm. um, because they're having a hard time adapting back into something different, you know, and embracing a new purpose, a new mission, whatever that might be. But a lot of it's because their identity was just so wrapped up in who they thought that they were. And so when I speak to, especially men, uh, groups of men, I, I really try and emphasize like your identity has to be in something bigger than all of what you're doing. Um, and um, I mean, I'll actually go a step further. Um, I mean, I guess first they'll say like, as a, as a Navy SEAL, like, yes, I was a Navy SEAL. That's a piece of who I am. It's a piece of what I've done, but it's not what my identity is wrapped in. And for me personally, my identity, I, I try and keep that 
in Christ because that's something eternal that outranks everything else. Yeah. And when I do that, it gives me real grounding and levity. Um, and I don't know if you heard me tell a story, but um, at the Band of Brothers that we did in New York, um, I think two years ago, a girl came up to me afterwards and she was um, basically just saying, hey, what you're talking about with the, the um, being victimized you know, sexually, uh, that's something that happened to me. And I mean, this girl's like 17, 18 years old. And um, I, I just looked at her and I was like, I don't even know, you know what to say. And she was telling me, just thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying. And the guy that was her caretaker basically said, um, what did he say? He said, you know, um, he made her write down, you know, that she was worth, worth it or something that she had value and she couldn't do it at first, you know, because her whole identity had got wrapped up in this tragedy of being victimized. Right. And like, that's where her identity still sat. And I, in that moment, the only thing I knew to try to say to her was like, your past does not define you. Right. Um, and it goes whether or not you have like great things in your past or, or horrible things in your past, you know, like that doesn't define you. Um, what you're doing now and where you're going in the future is what, is what matters. And, your identity needs to be in something bigger than all of that. Right. And so I, you know, tried to tell her, I said, you know, like that, that those things that happen to you, they don't define who you are. Um, just like me being a Navy SEAL and doing things that I thought were so amazing. They don't define who I am. They inform, you know, where I'm at and they inform, you know, maybe my future. And there are things that, you know, we learn from and become better because of, um, but ultimately I would just, you know, reiterate, like your identity needs to be in something I would say eternal. And I would say, obviously from my belief system, um, that that really has to be in, in Christ, um, because that's the only thing that really transcends all of that. And, and if you can do that, um, you're on such solid ground. Well, let's take that even right into into today right if we could as people right tying all the things that we've talked about today if our identity is in something higher than ourselves right as believers right it's it's god it's christ if our identity is in the source that created us where we come from and not our identity is on likes on social media right what side of the aisle i'm on politically like all this crap that I, I think just to to bring this all back, Jeremy, to what we were talking about today is our identities have be, and I don't think I understood how important this subject was when you and I were talking until we're talking about it right now, right? And it's taken an hour to get to, to yeah, it, but <laughs> our identities as society is so screwed up because of technology and because of group mind and all this other stuff that we've lost sight of number one, where it should be, right? Because we're now putting it into all these false things. Um, and that is a, um, that is the plan of the enemy, period. If, right, if we can, if we can get our attention off um, Christ, off our center, off our, off our source, we're lost. And, and we're seeing that happen. 
it kind of goes back to what we've talked about before too is like we're born into this war this this cosmic battle and we don't even realize it especially like right. as men I and mean, we have a real part to play in this and we don't even realize it we grow up and we know that like you know we have an innate um we want to fight we want to like i mean my son's four years old and he wants to wrestle every night and he wants man the kids punch me in the face i'm like dude where'd you learn that i didn't teach you that you know but he's you know he's kicking me in the throat i'm like okay okay, okay. we're turning it down a little bit but like he's you know, it's guns and trucks and fighting and wanting to, you know, like prove himself and all that. And, and like, we have that innately, um, but we just get booted out of the battle. And I think we get sidelined because eventually we just kind of go along to get along. And, you know, we don't, we're not super active in these things, but I mean, we are born into this battle. It's a spiritual battle. And unless we realize that we're not really, you know, in the fight and, um, right got to be engaged in that battle and the more we're engaged the more we realize there's going to be opposition if we're not getting sidelined we're actually going to be in the battle of course there's going to be opposition and those are the things that we have to take a stand on and you know whether it's fighting for um you know those who can't fight for themselves or whether it's doing what christ says you know the um taking care of the widows and orphans um or it's just in our own personal life of like you know checking our ego at the door and serving others uh i mean all all these things they all play together you know but the more you can put your identity in something above all of that um just helps you stay humble through that that walk and then realize where the real power is and then you find out what you were what's your creative purpose like why are you here like like your answer was this is this this is the battle or this is the mountain or the hill i'm going to fight on right the the digital space, human track trafficking, um, and all the things that you're involved in, right? Because your path kind of led you there and and that's where you're most effective. True. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I didn't think I was going to have to sit in, I probably swore to myself years ago that I wouldn't sit in front of a computer that I'd actually be out doing something with my hands and something active, you know, for my career. But, you know, things have led me to this place. And there was even a point recently where I was like, I was kind of done with the, fight against human trafficking. I was done with the the nonprofit space and fairly disenchanted with a bunch of things that happened there. And I just, um, you know, like because of all of the things that have led me to this point, if you take them all together and you say, you know, I've got these relationships, I've got this knowledge and I've got these things and they kind of come together for a purpose. And you say, wow, like, okay, well, you know, nothing happens overnight overnight but like god's had me on this path and here's all the different things that have value and have brought me to you know who i am and where i am today um and so if i move forward in you know these open doors i very quickly realize like hey this is like something where i have a real purpose who i am and the relationships that i bring and the purpose that i have can really do something beneficial on a much bigger scale. And then it gets really exciting because then it's like, okay, um, I know I'm on the right path and I know I'm walking my purpose. And I know that all of these things that have happened in my past all culminate to help me in the moment that I'm in now, you know, and the battle that I'm in now. So. Yeah, no, I, I, there's so much dude i really i i said it before i i think you and i could talk for we could go for another hour on this stuff because it 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 really is um powerful and compelling and um there's just there's such good good things that are happening here um 
I would encourage people and I, and I just listening to your story. I mean, you know, like I look at it here, I am, I'm, I'll be 53 in April and I've been in the financial world for 20 years. Right. And if I, if somebody would have told me in my twenties that that's where I, that that's the hill I would fight on, if you will, there, there's <laughs> right. no way, you know what I mean? Like I, but but things happen and they move you and things get unlocked inside of you and they resonate with you and you take a step and you, you know what I mean? You stop getting, uh, just to, again, to tie it in, you start to develop your own identity instead of what everybody's telling you. Like when I was in, in the musician or in the music world, right? When I had the long hair, I'm in the rock band and then I'm in the teaching space. If you would have told people that I would have become what I was, people would be like, you're out of your mind. This guy, he's a music teacher. You know what I mean? Right, but right. That was a preparation for this. And then that you just keep moving and you keep evolving. And, and oftentimes, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it in your own journey, even recently in the changes that you make. Everybody has their interpretation of what it is that you should be doing in the story that you should be playing out instead of us listening to God and, and responding and letting that story develop based on what is being spoken to inside of us. You know, it certainly allows us to step back. And again, it's it's not about us. It's about um, how can we be part of the kingdom? You know, what is, the, you know, I heard somebody say last night, you know, it's thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not my will, right? Like, right, and, right. And the more we can focus on, you know, like, how can I just be part of thy will? You know, like, and, and I mean, that's, a that's I like I said before, you know, I got to the point over the last handful of years where it was like, you know, I just got to, I got to like focus and hone in on what God wants me to do more than what I think I might want to do. Um, because nothing is really going to be successful in the right way, unless I'm following, you know, what he would have for me, you know, and, and he's led me, like we just talked about in all these different places. And, and I'm like, so blessed to have all these different relationships and people in my life and, and doors that have become open to me. And so, you know, being able to walk through that, but with purpose and with value is, is, uh, is paramount. And like, I'm, you know, I'm, I guess, you know, like we're just starting this, this company, but I already feel like I'm a success story, you know, regardless of whether or not this company is hyper successful or not, I think it will be, but like, I think just the success is just walking with God through whatever doors he opens for you. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm just, you said thy will be done and, and I'm, I'm just sitting there going, that's it, right? You know, like it's a perfect way to kind of wrap up our episode, but also to say that the only way for us to hear what he calls us to do for his will to be done is to turn off the freaking technology to get quiet and listen, right? Like to just kind of, and if all of us did that more often, what would things really look like if we can get ourselves off uh, the bricks of Babel? <laughs> I love how I'm another, taking that with me. Just today. another brick in the Tower of Babel, you know? People, I don't know if people really understand what the Tower of Babel was all about, you know, but it was all about like man and this humanistic idea that we don't need God. We can build our, our tower to heaven. You know, we don't need God to get to heaven. We can build a tower so tall it goes to heaven. You know, it's all about us. We don't even need God. We'll push God out of all these different things. And you can see how that's been working for, you know, even our country over the last, especially in the last few years, you can see 
the more we push God out of all these different circles, you can see how it works out. It doesn't work out well, you know, but fortunately this, this brick in the tower of Babel, you know, it's a problem, but if we can realize that and we can step back and we can take some time out from that. And then also just, you know, put our filters in place of how we utilize that and, and what we, you know, what our rules in for engagement are within that. Yeah, no, I, Dude, you brought so much content today. I can't thank you enough for 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 being on. Truly, I I again I uh, I could keep going, but you know then our episode would 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 not yeah. be you know and we got to get on with our day. But I I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you, dude, being here. I, what you do, who you are, how you show up, um, you um, whether you know it or not, have great influence and impact on my life just just through how we know each other. Um, your example. Um, I really do appreciate you. Um, same to you, brother. Um, we'll have to do it again sometime. And I, I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me, let me wrap up with this. If I always ask our guests, how do people find you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? It, you know, do you want that? Like, where are you out there? Yeah, sure. For me, probably LinkedIn would be the best place to, um, you know, contact me uh, directly and send me a message. And, um, as far as our, our company, um, we're probably 30 days away from kicking off the mobile app I mentioned and some of the other features. And so, um, people can go to the website, which is just, uh, kime.tech. So C-A-I-M.tech and, um, they can actually pre-register, I think on there as well, or, and, you know, get updates as that comes out. And so, you know, you can follow us through that and, and, the company is on social media. Um, I'm not super big on social media. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so LinkedIn is probably the best place to, to connect with me. So, yeah. And I would offer up that LinkedIn is probably the most respectable of the social media platforms to connect with people, right? Like you'll uh, notice on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a he, him. I don't really believe in these pronouns. No, so, I mean, other than that, I like LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, other than that, LinkedIn's pretty professional. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeremy, thanks again. I really appreciate you being a guest today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's always such an honor to have such incredible guests here on the podcast. And the podcast just wouldn't be what it is without our great sponsor, Master Beef Jerky. Head on over to masterbeefjerky.com. Check out their product. It is really incredible beef jerky if you're a fan uh, like we are. It's made here in the USA. It's handcrafted. There's no MSG. It's low in soda, low in fat. Sorry. It's gluten-free. It's just freaking good. Their motto is bold flavor, tender bite. And they've got flavors uh, like their original. They've got uh, smoked barbecue, Korean barbecue, Western teriyaki, sweet and spicy mango and pineapple, carne asada, garlic pepper, a California, a Carolina Reaper flavor, and black pepper. It is good stuff. Head on over to masterbeefjerky.com and on your order, if you put in coupon code MUAP, you will get 20% off. Master Beef Jerky, bold flavor, tender bite, and a great sponsor of the podcast.